On today's all-new episode of Discologist, we're spinning a track off of Father John Misty's new album, Chloe in the Next 20th Century, checking in with bluegrass virtuoso Maggie Tuttle on her latest release, Crooked Tree, and then heading back to the jazz tags to dig deep into pianist and composer Gerald Clayton's latest Blue Note album, Bells on Sand. Some fantastic new music is just a right swipe away, friends, so consider this a match, and let's get on with the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you all. It's Thank amazing you. how we can. It's amazing how we can sell out Madison Square Garden after <laughs> just like four episodes back. You know, it's also such a pleasure to have Wet Leg opening for us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We really, we yeah. really appreciate them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. The show yeah. is like gain, like we're up to fifteen followers, and uh, <laughs> you know. It's like, well, a funny thing happens when you stop making something for a year. Um, you can ask any artist about this, but especially any podcaster. Uh, people unsubscribe. <laughs> and, they do. Uh, and so we we get, you know, so we, we have our, our hardcore listener base, but it definitely is sort of like uh, it's like starting over, which is which is kind of nice. I am. I'm trying to make us converts in the D.C. dating pool. <laughs> uh, with limited success in in every in no, and I'm kidding. And if anyone that I've been on a date with is listening to this, that's that's I'm I'm sorry. That's not I'm not I'm not making fun. Um, it just what, keeps, what if I what if I asked you to start rating your dates? That's a new feature. I've had I've had I've I've met a lot of amazing people. I mean, I think that's yeah. um, you know you know dating is uh, I, I'm I haven't dated in a long time. Dating is is in many ways now sort of a numbers game of just trying to meet interesting people and you have to mm-hmm. go through a lot of people to get to the people that you're really connecting with. But, um, but, uh, to the, to the women I have been on dates with in DC, you're all, you're all really awesome. And it's been fun to hang out with all of you. Have you been playing any advances, i.e. illegal music? That's my music? main, like, that's my, that's my opening line. That's, is just, that's your opening hey girl, line. Hey girl, like, hey girl you, have, have you been have, looking? Yeah. Have you heard you the new Father John Misty? It's not yeah, out you for want, two weeks. Yeah, you want some Blue Note advances? Come on over. <laughs> Come on over. So you're saying that your your uh, your your missions have been un- unsuccessful? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We it's, love Blue Note. What are we talking about? Yeah, Blue uh, Note. Blue Note still. Yeah, Blue Note. Blue Note <clears throat> uh, moves moves the needle for a lot of people. Does for us. <laughs> For us, it does. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> we're seriously to... considering just talking about Blue Note for the rest of the year, um, but instead we got to talk about some other stuff. I think um, this, for me, is going to be a fun episode because we get back to jazz we after do. talking about Alabaster de Plume, which is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get back to talking about just jazz. Uh, we're talking about an album that I actually got around the same time. So I've been listening to this for a while. Uh, Gerald Clayton, uh, Bells on Sand. He's a pianist and uh, and a renowned one. Uh, we'll get we'll get more into that later. Um, but like I said, we are picking up in the releases now. And uh, in the past, we would have made a big deal about some of the artists we're going to be talking about. 
And I think one thing we've also talked about that I, that I, I think we're going to do is have like a, a discologist happy hour. So we have like two or three other people. We can have like, I think we can have like eight people on this thing. Ooh, party line. Right, right, right. So just do like a round robin of tracks and stuff that we missed because there is nothing more frustrating to somebody who loves to talk about music to be limited to only talking about three things every two weeks. Right. But there's also nothing that sucks more than doing a podcast every week. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, we're going to find that balance in between and we're going to be doing stuff like that. And I think cranking up the interviews, I think we're starting with motorcade. So we'll be, Yeehaw. we'll be catching up with those guys. Yeah. Pretty soon this week though. Um, I think we got two killer tracks, uh, for different reasons. Do we want to like roll like a 20 sided die to see who starts first? Or do you, I mean, how do we want to do this? Why don't you, do why, don't, need- why don't you, why don't, why don't, why don't you, I think I think you should kick us off. You you want me to go? Okay. okay. Well, because because I I think I'm going to end on an uplifting note, and uh, we can what, we can have you. <sighs> we we did sort of know what our tracks were this week. We did. We broke we broke our um, own made up rules. Yep. But that's because uh, what I want to talk about right now is uh, somebody who is uh, it's it's a major release, you know, and it's a release that I uh, that I was looking forward to uh, with no shame. Uh, a release that I, I actually really love. Um, but the great thing about getting advances and doing a show where you have to think about music is that you actually think about it. So the more I thought about it, um, I was like, you know, do we want to dedicate half an hour to this? Do we really need to talk about Father John Misty for half an hour at this point in time? And the answer is no. Um, you all know Father John Misty's work. We have covered him extensively in the past. Uh, I've been yelled at for uh, posting a live taping <laughs> from Rock and Roll <laughs> That's Hotel. right. That's right. Um, so, you know, you know, we've been covering him for a really long time. Um, for my money, uh, Josh Tillman and the work he's doing right now, um, he is one of the greatest songwriters of the modern era. But we're going to have a really brief conversation uh, about that after I play this track. His new album is uh, called Chloe and the uh, Chloe in the New Twenty First. Yeah, Chloe in the Next 20, 20th Century, um, and it's it sort of expands the scope of his sound a little bit, but it is exactly what you've come to expect from Father John Misty. But I would say on on album five, he has uh, really reached a new height in his songwriting. If you if you consider pure comedy to be uh, his his best album uh, as as good as it gets uh, for me it is like probably my it's definitely my favorite it might be one of the best albums of the 21st century to date um yeah it's up there anywhere anywhere in that range is good yeah. so we're not comparing those two albums it's just right. like that's 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 uh if you haven't heard that album you should listen to it uh everybody involved in making it should be immensely proud of it and like this work song I'm gonna play uh, is very sad, possibly toxic, and uh, and at the end of the day, uh, very orchestrated and entertaining, which is everything you want from Father John Misty. So here is Goodbye, Mr. Blue, from uh, Father John Misty's new album, Chloe in the Next 20th Century. This may be the last time Last time I put on my shoes mm. 
Go down to the corner and buy the damn cat the expensive food. That Turkish Angora's about the only thing left of me and you. Mm-hmm. Early this morning, he started making sounds that say, Don't the last time come too soon. One down, eight to go, but it's no less true. Don't the last time come too soon. This may be the last time Last time I get out of bed mm-hmm. Put coffee on and try Your words to show some initiative We used to lay around here laughing What these freaks out there were trying to prove mm-hmm. But what's wasting time if not throwing it away on work When the last time comes so soon Mr. Blue died in my arms, nothing they could do Don't the last time come too soon Love's always gonna leave you No matter what they say You only know what it is Once it's gone away Goodbye, Mr. Blue. I think it's kind of a little dusty in here. Um, you know, there's a lot of comedy to be had in in loss. Um, and you can always hit a home run if you're just going to kind of emulate uh, everybody's talking from Harry Nilsson. Um, but a plus, a plus choice. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I heard a song about uh, a relationship disintegrating <clears throat> that was centered around a cat dying. Yeah. So perfectly. And because those emotions can be so like tied together. Um, and the first time I heard this, uh, I'm pretty sure what your reaction was. The first time I heard this, I was just like, I need to go be alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, um, yeah, it having, having, uh, just experienced something very similar to what the song talks about, which is the yeah. loss of a cat and the end of a relationship. I can tell, I mean, even now listening to the song, I get, I, I, yeah. I have moments where it's difficult to hear it. It's just so, it just, it just cuts, uh, it's like a kick in the chest. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I don't know, you know, I know, I know you really liked the rest of the album. Um, I didn't, I didn't react to it quite as strongly as I did this song, but I think, I think this song is just, uh, it's a masterpiece. It's the kind of thing where, you know, anyone who, uh, you know, most songwriters only get a couple of songs this good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he spent all that on, like on pure comedy. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And maybe ideal husband off of uh, off of uh, I love you, honey bear. Right. Um, right. You know, uh, there's yeah, there's there's really only there's another great song, Buddy's Rendezvous, on this album that that approaches this level. The rest is just really solid, Father John Misty. But I know you had a reaction to this. I know a lot of people have a reaction to him, and and I would just put this sort of suggestion into the world because um, the reaction is that it's schmaltzy or it's it's performative. Uh, and look, the reality is, is that if you're getting up on stage in front of people, you're performing. Right. You know, I, I, I think there's nothing natural from, about that. Right. Right. And I think this idea comes from like the purity in music or whatever, but, but you know, this is the, he works with Jonathan, Jonathan Wilson on these records. Mm -hmm. uh, now um, the reality is he's just a remarkable musician who understands the performance side. Um, and the more, if you, if you, Take a step back from your bias, because a lot of people think it's he's, he's ironic. He's not. Like, I mean, there's yeah. jokes in there. Some of them land, some of them don't. But, like, that's, that's not irony. He's got this catalog where he's sort of revealing, like, terrible things about himself. And in the process, just uh, a lot of men and relationships in general. Uh, and and it, it's just remarkably raw and, and heartfelt. And it makes the whole catalog just feel a lot more weighty. We didn't have, you know, like Harry Nilsson's catalog is hard to listen to. Mm -hmm. And it's not until this century where we were like, every album has to be a hit. Right. You know, so now we're five albums in and every album isn't a hit. Uh, the God's favorite customer. It's okay. Yeah. It's great. You put it on once in a while. Uh, I, I only recently came around the honey bear um, and Fear Fun is is kind of lightweight compared to all this material, but but as a career, it, it plays out as something that you we don't see that much anymore. You know, people who are successful over the long term, they are uh, they keep up this level of quality of songwriting and also understanding the world that's going around them. It's not like a one trick pony uh, that 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 he's riding here. <laughs> Right. And I, and I know, you know, what really helped me, uh, and, and what kind of changed my thinking on this album. Um, and I know you disagree with this, with this assessment, but you know, I've, I've been, I've been sort of working on this half-baked theory that Dan Behar and, jo and Josh Tillman are sort of different phenotypes of the same talented, smarmy yeah. dude, uh, Gene. Um, and even though, um, you know, not everyone likes Destroyer's music, I, I react really well to it. And I think it, you know, it, it, it sort of hits me in a place that kind of bypasses all the logical parts of my brain. And, um, and I don't, I don't quite know why that is, but, uh, but, you know, that bringing that lens to this and just thinking, okay, well, Josh Tillman is to Kevin, what Dan Bayar is to me, where like, I can't quite explain Maybe. what he's doing or, or why it lands. But, um, but that, that, that really helped me see this a little bit differently. I would suggest that it's because you are more of a writing guy mm. 
and, I, and right. I'm more of a songwriting guy. Right, right. And and, and I think, uh, and yeah, that's right. I We, we did a whole, I did it with uh, Philip last night from uh, Burke Royals, did a whole like episode of, of Behar's last Destroyer album and got to the end of it. And like, we didn't say anything nice about that. So we're just going to kill it. Yeah. We're just not going to put out the episode. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and so, to be clear, there are people who react to father John Misty that way. You know, these are, these are both guys who have, who have people who are sort of inherently detractors of them and, and, and who just cannot connect with their work because there's a lot you have to cut through to get to the thing that is going to land for people. I think both of those guys have baggage. They sort of come across as men who own many leather bound books and they want to tell you about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can see that a little. I, I think, um, yeah, regardless, I mean, with, with any artist, I think it's, it's good to be able to put down your preconceptions about what they are. And uh, look, to be clear, to you, I like I tried with the destroyer. <laughs> I understand you did. Yeah, you you did everything that was asked of you. I I, um, I did, and uh, just just wasn't working for me. So I, um, I so, gave that new album a spin last night, and I think it's really good. I think it's astonishingly good. So okay. Um, so even even people like us can disagree and still be friends. I mean, have you checked your Facebook? <laughs> are you trashing me there? <laughs> I, just I don't, I don't, go, I don't go on Facebook. You. I don't go on Facebook a lot. If you want to pick a fight with me, yeah. it's probably not yeah. the best place. Go on Facebook and talk about Daryl Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Shout out to sacred to the Sacred Songs crew. Yeah. Duking it um, at any rate. So so that's it. Uh, the album is, I, I love it. Uh, maybe you'll love it. It's out in the world now. So go go check it out. Um, and like, I know Carrie was just up here. She's going to be at his show in DC. And she says to be one of the, like the 4,000 ladies throwing their spanks at him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should go to that. Um, yeah. so we're going to change gears a little bit and go, um, go in a radically different direction. I was, I was. You know, part of part of the fun of this format is trying to figure out music that that complements or that um, somehow clashes with what you're going to talk about. And I've I've been thinking a lot about bluegrass over the last several months. I watched the um, Rocky Grass stream late last summer. That's a big festival in Lyons, Colorado, and that was the first I think major gathering since Tony Rice's passing. And a lot of folks oh, yeah. that I had, yeah. you know, when when bluegrass was a big thing for me about 20 or so years ago. A lot of the names that I recognize from that time period, um, you know, your Jerry Douglas, Sam Bush, um, kind of Bela, that 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 crew, um, they were all slated to perform, of course. But there was a whole just uh, there was just a slew of of new folks that I hadn't really heard of, partly because I haven't kept up, and also partly I think because folks of that generation are making a conscious effort to show that bluegrass isn't just these these older dudes that there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening so uh sierra hull stood out you know a number there were there were a number of, of great performers there but that kind of set me on a little bit of a bluegrass kick and so um what i'm gonna play today is a song called grass valley by molly tuttle and golden highway um, and this is a sweet uh new little bluegrass album and if you're not the kind of person who listens to bluegrass um uh, I encourage you not to uh, hit the 15 second skip button for the next couple of minutes and, and listen to this. 
I remember when I first drove with my dad up to Grass Valley Four hours north of San Francisco, just outside Nevada City The road winding through those dry brown hills of gold country I was ten years old and happy, out of school a week early People playing beneath the pines Heard the music floating from the stage Pitched our tent and walked around My heart opened to the sound I didn't know it then But my life turned to page Standing around jamming To the sound of little Annie Baptized in the campgrounds Of Grass Valley Like nothing I had ever heard or seen It was jam grass for the hippies Old stuff from the 50s Just about nothing in between I stood and tried to play along Though I only knew a couple songs While Boulder Kids sat in with the band I watched and envied from afar Head bowed down over my guitar Praying to catch that magic in my hands Standing round jamming To the sounds of little Annie Baptized in the campgrounds the Grass Valley So that was, that's a lovely little number, I think. And, 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 you know, the way she describes, um, that feeling of, of, uh, returning to a festival, um, and, and seeing the young girl that kind of, that kind of mirrors her own experience. That was sort of how I felt watching the, uh, watching that, uh, that Rocky Grass Festival and just thinking, man, I still know all these songs. I still, this is like a familiar idiom. It's a familiar language. And if you don't, know what bluegrass festivals are like bluegrass festivals make bluegrass musicians not on the stage but in yeah. the in the in the jams um in the parking lot that's that's famously jerry garcia meets david grisman uh at a bill monroe concert and that uh, that right. gives birth to olden in the way and a bunch of other seminal bluegrass moments um and uh, it's just such a sweet love letter to that scene and to that moment and it also recognizes the role that women um are increasingly playing in bluegrass and it's not you know, that's not a new phenomenon, but now, um, now it's, it's, it's more centered in a way that, that feels really kind of right and, and good and positive. So, uh, maybe not, maybe not as, as deep as a, you know, relationship ending, uh, cat yeah, yeah, dying yeah. song, but <laughs> oh, that's fine. You know, it, I, I, like you, like I, I was really into bluegrass about like 15, 20 years ago and just fell out of it. It, it. I mean, that to me sounds like it hasn't really evolved that much. Um, that seems like a standard of what you would hear on record. Uh, live is where you go to see bluegrass. Records are, are all, a lot of them follow in the uh, Allison Krausen Union Station uh, mode, and that's fine. Um, 
You know, also, uh, Chris Eli did a lot to kind of, like, destroy bluegrass as much as he lifted it up. Like, everything yeah. has to sound like a certain way. Um, and when you're not, because it's certainly, like, as soon as you put lyrics like that on that, you're out of traditional mode you know, right. of, of what bluegrass is. Uh, and there but, are but, and there are murder ballads on this record. There are yeah. uh, there are songs about um, and 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 it has a slew of of wonderful guests. Uh, you know, Dan Dan Tominsky from Union Station is on here. Billy Strings mm-hmm. is on here. Margot Price, Gillian Welch. I mean, it's it's really a a nice a nice slate of of guests. Um, but Side you know, bars, when we were talking, is Billy Strings bluegrass? He, well, I don't, you know, to the extent that anyone knows, I mean, I mean, what is, right, this is, this is sort of, a, I was having an argument okay. about what is rock, right? Someone just published a listicle of like, who are the best front people in rock? And I was like, why is it, I don't even know what rock is. Why are we arguing about this? Right. So right. Billy Strings can, can play bluegrass. He doesn't only play bluegrass. And the same way that Molly Tuttle, her record before this was probably more of a sort of singer songwriter. Oh, she covers Standing on the Moon, uh, rele- relevant to our yeah. interests. And it's yeah. really sweet. Yeah. It's a really nice version of Standing on the Moon. Yeah, it's uh, it, you know, all this stuff is like, and that that this falls into this category is like super pleasing. Uh, I I think the challenge for for bluegrass stuff for people who aren't hardcore bluegrass fans, like if if you just listen to bluegrass, this is like this is gonna ring your bell, you know. But yeah. the challenge for that is is for it not to uh, fade into the background as sort of like restaurant music. Like right. you, know, you just have it right. like playing like instead of techno, thank God they're playing bluegrass. <laughs> right. um, you know, but uh, because it is a lot of times it's hard to distinguish it. But like the the amount of talent, and I thought about this too. Bluegrass has been around so long, and so level, and so very uh, defined in what it, it it should and can be. That I wonder if it's just because everybody is so good now. Like this well, is the purest form of the idiom. Well, right. So so Billy Strings coming up has the benefit of mm. knowing what and being able to listen to Tony Rice, uh, right. to Brian Sutton, to yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and when he switches instruments, he's you know, and 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 it's the same thing, you know, the 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 mandolin here, played by I believe Dominic Leslie. Um, could could sound like you know. There's a moment he he he. I think sort of uh, references Grisman when she talks about dog music. Um, there is um, you know the 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 banjoist Kyle Tuttle, who is apparently not related to Miles Tuttle, has a couple of uh, really shining moments on here. Um, Jerry Douglas shows up. I mean, it's a really it's. A, I think he produced right. the record too. So this is this this is a really nice continuation of that of that tradition. And from my standpoint, I just I hadn't really checked in with this scene in a while, and it was really nice in a way to go back in and see that, as you said, it's still it's still this it's it's the same. Like there was something reassuring about that. Not that it's not evolving. It's the practitioners are different. The performers are different. Uh, right. The structure is a little different. It's not, you know, no one's trying to radio head this up. Um, right. But yeah, of, yeah. There's, yeah. there's no like hip hop bluegrass. I mean, there is one band, but we don't. You know, yes. Whatever. But you know, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much, it's very much knows its lane, and so it, it focuses on the songs and the playing, which is, yeah, yeah, what you should be doing, I think. Um, yeah, that's great. I think I'll, uh, I can get out there and check that out. You know the. Uh, it just spring just sort of sprung here in Wisconsin. And, oh, uh, same. Yeah, back backyard shit. Um, so, it is. It is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, two great songs, I think. Yeah. I think. 
We are undefeated. How about that? That's right. That's right. <laughs> we're going to take a uh, quick break and then come back and we're going to talk about uh, Gerald Clayton's uh, fantastic new album, Bells on Sand. That is a little bit of the lead-off track of Gerald Clayton's uh, second, I believe it's the second Blue Note album called Bells on Sand. Uh, uh, Gerald Clayton is a uh, pianist. He's claimed he worked a lot with Charles Lloyd, uh, born in the Netherlands, based in L.A., uh, came up through that music program, um, and uh, has sort of defined this. Uh, for me, it's a little bit of a minimalist, minimalist style. Um, it's not flashy, uh, but it is like extremely satisfying, and, and you can hear all over this record like how he fits in with uh, these other players. For this, this was kind of uh, his pandemic album, and so it was meant to be just like a duo and trading tracks. More people show up on it. Uh, mentioned Charles Lloyd on that. His father, John Clayton, is a famous jazz bassist. Uh, Justin Brown on drums, and he a, a new collaborator uh, singer. <clears throat> I think he's from Canada. Uh, Morrow on vocals and his mission for this was kind of exploring uh, the, the abstraction of time. And anytime you get into this imagery of like bells, all right, it, it, it feels very sci-fi to me. And if you look at the cover, it's like, it seems like, yeah. it seems like, Oh, this could be like, this could be kind of a wild journey. And it turns out it is. Uh, it turns out that uh, this is one of those albums that, uh, much like Phil Cooks, which we'll talk about, uh, I think much like Al Bastard Plumes, that just feels kind of healing. 
and very soothing. And it does it does a bunch of neat tricks uh, that we're going to play for you. But at the end of the day, it it just leaves you on this note of of you're so satisfied and glad to have heard it. You know, when I the first time I listened to this was late at night, and um, I. I had, I think, probably two or three thoughts in rapid succession a few minutes in. And the first was, oh my God, this is incredible. My second thought was, am I, sh am I sure that I put on the right record? This doesn't sound mm -hmm. like it's from now. The quality of the recording, just the feel of it, 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 it sounds like sort of very, very kind of, you know, older, um, really well recorded, uh, you know, piano led jazz. And so I had that moment of just like, am I sure this isn't like a sort of a Bill Evans that got swapped in somehow in my library? And then my third thought was, God damn it, we're going to have to talk about jazz on the show again, um, which I, which I don't, which I don't mind, but this is now yeah. our third jazz album of the year. And it's not the jazz album, uh, the forthcoming jazz album from Blue Note that I thought we would be talking about, to be honest. Right. Um, right. But 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 this one from top to bottom is just and and you're right. Healing is a really good word for it. It's just it's a balm. It really is. Yeah. It it um it's beautiful. It sort of has a a restrained uh, feel. It's really tasteful. Um and it it has that um sort of scintillating quality or something that uh, you expect out of like early early evening uh jazz or something like that but um but it also works at one in the morning i'll tell you yeah it's it it, 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 it moves so dangerously close to like smooth jazz right you know and, and but i think that's because um it because it is about time it gives you space to just like step outside of everything and listen yeah. to this. Um, we mentioned it does a few like interesting tricks. One of them is the vocals. And I, I don't know about you, um, but when I hear it, I listen to mostly instrumental jazz. Um, and when I listen to it, a lot of times I have this picture of what jazz vocals should be. And that, and, and this is complete personal bias. Uh, and it's tied to, uh, it's tied to more like jazz standards. Yeah, like this is what, and I don't consider it necessarily th that it pairs too well often with the instrumental work. Bill Frizzell did an album a couple of years ago called Harmony that I'm still trying to lock in on because it was all about uh, voices, and Bill Frizzell is a guitarist, um, and that and that was a, that was an interesting thing. But when you, if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, one of one one of the things he he talks about in, in making this album, he says. Uh, don't sing what you play, play what you sing. Yeah. And and that to me gives you real insight into like what kind of artist he is. He plays the piano, uh, but he is also known as a composer. I don't know which side of those two things are, are more important uh, uh, he, he, because the composer is, is responsible for the message. We associate like instrumentalists like tied to an instrument as like, they have to be an expert in that. But you know, if you know how instruments work together, like ultimately the whole package, you know, if you're not sitting in front of somebody watching them perform, there's not usually there's not a lot of use in like hearing somebody like go crazy on something. Yeah. And, yeah. and, he, and he absolutely doesn't. Um, and, and to that point, one thing that I use a lot uh, in, in my own music is 
piano. And I, I mean, I've, I've been playing since I was five, but I'm not, by no means a uh, good or even barely competent piano player. But the timber of a piano, it, there's something striking about it. There's some, and I, and I, and I want to ask you about this. It's like if it is just that's aligned with some universal like truth that we vibrate with when we hear piano, or because it was one of the early instruments, if it's that's just we've become accustomed to it and we understand it, and that's and so we react to it because of familiarity. Yeah, I I don't I don't know that that's answerable because we can't kind of unwind the right. our you know cultural biases from our biological ones at this point. I'll say that I tend to favor piano centric jazz. I mean, I think probably. Yep. You know, if I were to pick a favorite sort of combo format, it's probably the piano trio. That's, you know, I have a ton of mm -hmm. Barry Harris, Dolo Coker, Bill Evans, a lot of those guys, Brad Meldow, um, although he sort of goes a little afar from that. But there is a way in which um, when the piano is used well, and I'm not sure that someone like Meldow always always does this in a way that, that I like, um, but this album does, which is that it leaves room for breathing um and for yeah. and for thought there are pauses there's there's air there's space there and in fact you know it it it, it i i flashed a lot to um flamenco sketches which is the last song on on kind of blue um which has a very slow and thoughtful um pace that is uh you know really led and dictated by the bass and the piano is there as a sort of not as not as a uh uh it's there to round out um, the meter and the melody. It's not, it's not the foundation yeah. for it. And, and there's something about the way the piano is used on this record also that feels like, you know, this is, this is composed by the pianist, but he's not trying to put himself in the spotlight at every turn. Yeah. And, and the whole, uh, the, the wild end of this is like somebody like Elton John right. who mixes the two somehow, like he right. does both at once. Right. Um, and, uh, but you know, there's, there's, you know, that composed piece waters edge. I want to play a little bit of that Roy, uh, which is a tribute to uh, Roy Hargrove, uh, who died recently. Um, this is this is just a little like sort of figure that happens in the middle of this album. Like there aren't there aren't singles. There's, there's never singles in jazz, but this is a, an example of how this all works together because this comes about midway through the album, and it's just a little. It's a fun little fun little ditty. Thank you. 
Now, for a second there, I get lost and think we're talking about Steely Dan, um, <laughs> which which would like clue you into how like dialed into like the the New York jazz scene specifically Steely Dan was, right? And, and is and Donald Fagan, you know that um, that type of thing generally would be a place where artists show off. It's a duo. It's him and him and the drummer Justin Brown, um, where they where they show off at some point, but they never do. It's yeah. like sort of ease it right along. Well, it has a really nice, um, as a loud ambulance drives by here, um, it has a really nice, um, it, it is very reminiscent of like the the RH Factor, which was one of the sort of funk projects that Roy Hargrove was really involved in uh, mm-hmm. in the last uh, few decades that that he was active. You know, the other, the other thing that leaves me thinking about is um, how he's uh, discussed that concept of time that you were alluding to in the context of this album, and that this is an album that kind of looks to the past in in Charles Lloyd, for example, who's a guy who's been around forever and who's been on more records than maybe anyone since Sonny Stitt. Um, And that it goes all the way from from kind of the past to the present represented by him. And then um, he points us to the future too, um, with that that vocal element that you were alluding to earlier. Yeah, let's let's play a little bit of that. Uh, the uh, uh, you pronounce it better. The, uh, so so I know I know Maro as an Armenian name or a Greek name, but she is Portuguese, so it could be Maru. But okay. I'm not I'm not totally sure. I'm I'm curious to find out someday. And the track is is uh, uh, "Demande de tu nom le flor." That, yeah, right? which is okay. and 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 it is her singing. I it was just I you know people say this about Portuguese all the time, and I don't hear it because I know Portuguese. But uh, her her this is this is really really fetching. Da monde tu nomme le fleur. That 
That song was originally uh, composed by a guy he's a big fan of, uh, Federico Mampau, uh, a Catalan composer. And um, you're out there in the sands, and all of a sudden you're transported into like some nightclub in an oasis. Yeah. And, you know, and it, you- it, it, it gives you just this like nice, like not just a, a passage of time, but a, a, a sense of place. And you're, you're kind of traveling around whatever this world is. Um, that remains undefined, I think, through the whole album. Yeah, well, well, and it's and it's it's interesting because there is something about Catalan that is that is very liminal. That is, you know, it's not it's not really anyone's national language. It sort of exists between two countries. It evokes um, a region, but but not with a lot of specificity. Right. Um, and so it has this kind of really mysterious, just beautiful quality. I I you know. I find I find both her performance and just the way that song is structured and something about um I'm thinking of like Tete Tete Montoliu I think is uh is uh, a Catalan uh, pianist that I have a couple of records by and there's there is something a little bit different about the the sort of the melodic structures and the harmonics that they use and and you really hear it there. Yeah, and it and it, it moves it right along to uh a place that lands Charles Lloyd ends up on the uh, next to last track. Um, and it feels like a Charles Lloyd track. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it is very much as much as this is Gerald Clayton, this is Gerald Clayton letting people into kind of like his inner world and saying like, these are my friends. Like these, these weren't random people that he just decided to make music with. These are people that all are going to like sort of either resonate on the frequency that he is or that he is, come to resonate on their frequency. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I'm, it's, it, it's hard to keep saying this, but I can't believe that there are already three, at least incredible jazz records released this mm-hmm. calendar year, because, yeah. you know, we go back to Melissa Aldana, who was the first, I think, jazz record we talked about this year. Yeah. And yeah. And, um, and they're all so different, you know. The idea that this that this genre isn't moving forward and isn't finding uh, new idioms and that it's not relevant, I think, is just so easy to reject. Because if you want something that feels more contemporary and urgent and that speaks to uh, the disquiet of our times, you know, you have Alabaster Diplome. If you want something that's trying to make sense of our of our times and really kind of um, move us into a a positive mental state, then you have the Melissa Aldana record. And if you want something that that reminds you that jazz exists in the past, present, and will exist in the future, then I think that's this yeah. record. Yeah, I, I want to play down um, the track at the end, and we're going to do something weird. Uh, we're going to play a track by another artist. Seen <laughs> ah. <laughs> this, But right now, we're going to play a track. This is the final track on the album. And this is, um, it's, it calms everything down. And another artist did this that we'll talk about after this track, uh, did the same thing, but delivers all this kind of delicious music to like, think about and think about what you're saying with this, uh, and really think about it. A, A thing about jazz is that you often, um, the liner notes are extensive, <laughs> you know, right. and, 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 you know, instrumental music in that way can be hard because a lot of times people have to over explain, but this, uh, does it all with the title 
and does it all. It sums up like everything about the album that makes it good. This is a little bit of There's Music Where You're Going. Somewhere in there is is the classic like "Merry Christmas to you." Song. <laughs> um, it 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 is very much uh, Father uh, Father Don Misty um, Phil Cook uh, put out an album earlier this year, uh, which we will probably talk to him about. The vinyl's about to come out, um, and it was all piano pieces, mm-hmm. and it was all very much him getting back in touch with this kind of thing. And, you know, if you don't know who's doing something, you can start to see all these things that are sort of in the ether, you know, where people are picking up on the same, same vibe. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's one of the, the, the absolute pleasures of listening to jazz, like in the 21st century, especially like in the, in the twenties now. Is that it, like you said? It is continuing to progress, and it, it doesn't have to like prove anything. Uh, it hasn't had to prove anything for a long time, but you're getting into real uh, rethinking of just being comfortable with expressing yourself in a very gentle way, and then you move on to the next project. I mean, that that that's the strength of this album. That was the strength of Phil's album. Uh, there was an album in the pandemic that, like, as much as Alabaster to Plume's album was a bomb, this just, like, absolutely saved me as Arturo O'Farrell's Dreaming in Lions. Right. I, w- I want to play this last track um, because I feel like if you uh, – I-, I don't love playlists, but I feel if you put this – what I'm about to play and the, what we just heard and then a Phil Cook track together, but didn't tell anybody who was playing anything. It suddenly wouldn't matter. And you'd get this like beautiful message. This is uh, the final track on Dreaming in Lions. This is Dream So Gold.
Man, when that lands, uh, no exaggeration, this is my favorite piece of the music of the 21st century. Wow. And, uh, but as we heard, Gerald Clayton is doing, he's doing it, you know, it's, it's not even comparing the two. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not even comparing the two. I just, I just want to like figure out where, if there is a concentration where we can just exist in this creative community. Because here, here. it's so, it's so, uh, just, it's, it's like a fucking back to tank for the soul, man. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy this album exists. This one, this one, I did not expect at all to land the way it did. And I just, I, you know, I'm part of the reason I, I sort of can't, um, uh, you know, this album feels like a hole to me and that I really just put it on and I, and, and the whole thing just washes over me. I will be getting the vinyl and I'll probably be, uh, you know, diving a little bit more in detail into each individual track, but just, you know, it, this is not just, just put this on. You're not, you're not going to regret listening to this album from beginning to end. Yeah, no, no, put it, put it on, play it. I, I have the vinyl now. Uh, and you know, we've talked about pulling strings, pull the strings. Yeah. Like if any, any jazz album, you find who's playing on it, and you just pull on that. Especially yep. now, because now you have kids coming up. Not that Gerald Clayton is a kid, but you have kids coming born, up. Born in eighty four. Yeah, that yeah. are playing on this stuff. That is, they have records out that you would, you just would have never heard of. Right, and they're fantastic. Like it's it's getting wild out there is what I'm saying. I mean it's fucking it's fucking great. So we're just gonna talk about jazz forever now. <laughs> no more indie rock. No more. So uh Bells and Sand by Gerald Clayton is out now. It is on Blue Note Records. Uh Father John Misty is out now. Chloe in the next twentieth century. That is out on Sub Pop. I don't know what Molly Tuttle is. Uh, what's the name of that album? Um, it is, uh, it's Crooked, um, Crooked, Crooked Stream? Shit. Crooked, crooked Tree. Crooked Tree. Yes, thank crooked you. Tree. Crooked Tree. It's about two trees that grow. One is, you know, the, the pretty tree grows weak, but the crooked tree endures. Oh, I see. Yeah. Very yeah. deep. Yeah. So go out and get all this shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll spend some time listening to it and then come back in a few weeks and uh, talk to you about some more stuff. Probably jazz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it easy. Discolic. Discolic.